Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Very, very excited about today here on Fantasy NBA Today. Probably should have thought that through a little bit better. Might not have said the same word a bunch of times in a row, but it doesn't matter. We're in it now. We're in the end game now. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to the show name that I just said. I'm Dan Baspris, and we're going to be joined in just a couple of minutes by the stash master himself, the great Jonas Nader out of NBC Sports Edge. And, of course, the real big three on hiatus for a year. Hopefully it'll be back. You guys know that I am staunchly anti-stash from the beginning of the year. But, as we talked about about two, three weeks ago, when you get to within about a month of the trade deadline, that's when I think you can start to dive in a little bit more. And nobody, I mean this, nobody at any site, anywhere, does it as well as Jonas does. As a point of reference... Jonas and I did a show last year. I think it was a real big three episode, actually. It wasn't, it wasn't Fantasy NBA Today. Uh, about two weeks or so before the trade deadline. So pretty similar timing to this one today. Uh, with, of, of course, our, our very good buddy, Bogman. Scott Bogman, shout out. We miss you, dude. Um, and Jonas gave us Moses Brown as a post-deadline breakout candidate, who at the time... Hadn't played an NBA game, I don't believe. Or if he did, it was like two minutes. Mostly doing stuff in the G League. And of course, he came out and went nuts for a couple of games. He had like a 2020 game. We had him everywhere because of the prep. And then we got to sell high on him because people thought he was going to go 2020. This spindly little rookie. That's the beauty of the trade deadline stash. Find the diamonds in the rough and then know what to do with them. By the way, you can follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. I would certainly ask that you do, at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Big thank you to Gil Alexander of VSIN for having me on this morning to talk division odds. Who will win the different divisions in the NBA? That was a really fun show. Uh, I think you can go watch that stuff on the VSIN website after the fact. I'm not, I'm not positive about that. Um, but... Yeah, basically, I mean, that's what's up. The other note uh, before we dive into Jonas is please do go check out the Sports Ethos YouTube page. It's just youtube.com slash Sports Ethos. We have our trade deadline show already set up. It's going to be Thursday the 10th, so not two days from today, obviously, trade deadline day, nine days from today. It'll start at 8 a.m. Pacific time, 11 a.m. Eastern, and runs for five hours. I'll be on for most of it. Not the whole thing this year. I need to take a little break. Five hours is is just a bit too much for one man (laughs) without a commercial break. And incredible analysts breaking down fantasy trades, well, real-life trades, and what they mean for fantasy in real time. So please do go to youtube.com slash sportsethos. And click the thumbs up button on that link, which I forgot to put in the show description. Why didn't any of you guys come to me and you're like, Dan, you're an idiot. You forgot to put it in the show description after you made a big deal about doing it. I'm going to do it today. I can't possibly screw this up two days in a row. Can I? Guess we'll find out. YouTube.com slash sports ethos. Super easy to find or provided I'm not a moron. The link in the show description. We'll do a little breakdown on yesterday's card after talking to Jonas. So if you're wondering about a uh, recap of the eight-game Monday, don't worry. That'll be more towards the end of the program. For now, let's just talk to our buddy. It's been too damn long. I am so happy. I'm so happy. I love talking to a a friendly, I'd say a friendly face, but this is an audio podcast I get. Jonas Nader, what's up, man? How you been? I've been great, man. I know you have been too. We get caught up before this, and it's just been, I don't know, four months since we spoke. Everything just seems like a blur this year. Um, I don't know how you're feeling about this fantasy season. I want to hear your thoughts. I have been like the most up and down of my life, like just these periods of excitement where my teams are just buzzing. And then like three or four weeks ago, there was some teams I had with three active players out of 13, and I just <laughs> lost all interest for like three weeks. <laughs> Did it log yeah. in? Yeah. Ugh. 
I've had I've definitely had that. I think I may have moaned about it on on this show and then thought, ah, oh, nobody wants to hear my, my my fantasy teams. But I definitely had uh, a team where nine out of fifteen guys was out. And and this is these are like games cap teams or roto games cap leagues where I'm like, you know what? I legitimately can't I can't catch up in the games yeah. cap anymore. There's there's no what's the point? I it's I've never had that happen before where injuries impacted a team so much even in a games cap format that I was like, okay, well this is probably just not it's not gonna be my year in this particular league. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh now now imagine hitting a games cap, Dan. I do a lot a lot of 30 team dynasties. Imagine hitting games cap in those. Do you know what I've been doing in those? I've had to stream players like Romeo Langford. <laughs> That's how dire it's gotten. <laughs> yeah, I um I'm trying to I was gonna pull up the 30 deep rosters for uh try to figure out what the hell I was doing because I, I, I thought I had a pretty damn good 30 deep team this year and again I know people don't really want to hear it but and I had CJ McCollum Jimmy Butler uh Gary Trent all go down at the exact same time if you lose three guys on a 30 deep team that were effectively I mean two of those were my first two picks Butler and McCollum I think were my first two it was like pick 12 and pick 50 or something whatever it was you're pretty much doomed at that point i think i just took yeah. a couple zeros in those spots like i don't i legitimately don't even have a guy i can pick up that i could put. and all three of those guys that you just said outperformed their per game numbers by a ton and yet you're still struggling because they've played like seven games collectively <laughs> yeah oh it's been oh my god can i oh listen so here's what we're gonna do jonas is gonna give us his bucket oh jonas gems the stash master himself but i'm making you guys wait for it because damn it you need to hear us catch up a little bit yeah. uh i i started that sentence and then i and i completely forgot what i was about to say about it oh uh i remember for the first month of this year, I was really excited about the guys I was getting on the turn in the draft. I was like, oh, yeah. turn turning out great. I got Jimmy Butler on the turn. I got Paul George on the turn. Mm -hmm. We got Anthony Davis on the turn in certain places. And then they all just down for like seven weeks in a row and counting. I had a stupid amount of Paul George exposure this year. Stupid amount. Yeah. And he was what? The third or fourth best player until he got hurt? He was great. I remember. He had cooled off for like a week or two, but then it was yeah. like, oh, by the way, he's dealing with an arm thing. And the, oh, the arm thing was needs Tommy John surgery. In fact, just yeah. a minor, minor arm thing. So it kind of sucks. I mean, the, the way I, I really want there to be a year where you don't get such a massive advantage by getting a top three pick in fantasy, but it's not going to be this year. <laughs> yeah. See, the funny thing about it, too, is I had a couple of Damian Lillard shares this year. I get worried about his abdomen and I trade him for Paul George and a week later, Paul George <laughs> oh, double no. flares up. So there's just no escaping this season. This is, we say it every single year, but it's true every single year. This is the worst year for injuries, absences, protocols now. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and I think maybe this year too, um, we could probably call it the worst because it's impacted the highest ranked guys. Yeah. Normally, Many I feel like guys it's more... in the protocols like three or four times. Like I can't even keep up with the rules anymore. The, you know what I mean? It's just impossible. Yeah, then you got these... The, but although, for those who like streaming, the late December and early January was arguably the greatest streaming period in the history of fantasy sports. Absolutely. So there's that silver lining. All right, give me give me the first Jonas gem. As we prepare for the trade deadline, it's just nine days away. I know you got something up your sleeve, man. I do, and... I gotta get this first one out of the way because I, I need you on my side. So I wanted to start strong. <laughs> You're buttering me up on this one. Huh? <laughs> we are gonna go with Thaddeus Young. No way! Come you on. That. Yep. All right. Explain Widely yourself. available. I got the best argument for him possible. Ex he has an expiring fourteen million dollar contract. I can think of off the top of my head six or seven contenders that could slot him into a twenty five minute role today, and he'd be perfectly fine. People don't understand how good of a playmaker he became like the last couple years. Like he was so good for the Bulls. And then we saw it for the Spurs too. Uh, I think it was Pirtle that missed time uh, about a couple months ago. And then Young played <laughs> only 20 minutes plus seven times in a row. And he averaged 12 points, 5.4 rebounds, 4.4 assists, 1.4 steals and one blocks and 24.5 minutes. Like if he hit a free throw in that span, that's early round value. Yeah, I don't know. I, I really still can't fully figure out what happened to him in Chicago when he turned into this magical point center. 
Uh, yeah. I remember what you're talking about earlier this year too, because there was you you sent out a tweet that says if you're not in a league with Dan Bespris, go grab Thaddeus. Yeah. <laughs> And he's so good. Like people realize the only reason he's not playing is because his Spurs named him Thaddeus Old. Like he's not a part of the rebuild. That's the only reason he's not playing. If they were hunting wins right now, like he'd be getting 26, 28 minutes there. It's just unfortunate really that he's in the worst possible spot. But man, I don't know if you have to pick him up now because like, let's say you're in a standard league, you probably have six or seven guys injured right now. So you can't really have the luxury of like picking him up now. But like an hour before the deadline, we get a Thaddeus Young rumor. That's when he kind of got to make the move. Do you agree? What are? Yeah, I mean, I love Thaddeus Young, so I'm not going to yeah. argue with you on this one. I, I don't think you need to pick him up now. What are these right. teams that you think he might end up with? Where could he go? The one that stood out the most was Dallas, right? We have another Przingis knee injury. It's his 17th of the month, it seems like. <laughs> that dude's never going to stay healthy. It's, it's frustrating because I have him in a few spots too. Um, another good one. Is the Warriors because Draymond Green doesn't even have a timetable right now. We're what two months from the playoffs. Uh, is Draymond Green gonna be back with the fans playoffs? So you could say maybe not right now, too. So James Wiseman doesn't have a timetable. So right now they basically have a seven-foot statue named Kevin Looney as their only front court option. So Warriors, yeah. Mavericks, um, I've heard the Raptors, Miami Heat so many teams where he can literally slot in for 25 minutes which is all he needs as you know yeah he became and the and the the crazy part too uh with that is that i had briefly named the marvin thad line as players that if they hit 30 minutes they'll just sort of slow roll their way into fantasy value and then thaddeus young, thaddeus young became a guy who gets four assists in 25 minutes a game and that number came down from 30 to 24. You're absolutely right. But again, you you probably don't need to pick him up right now. So, um, right. all right, you've got me on your side. You won me over. Now I know you're going to bludgeon me with younger players. So who's next? That's exactly right. And <laughs> the, see, I'm so mad that this game happened last night, like right before, like I was hoping we could just sit on this guy and have it be a secret, but his name is Isaiah Jackson. I don't know if, how much, how in tune you are to this guy. Are, are you a fan so far? Well, he's got a pretty damn good fantasy stat set, we saw. Um, and then he got a ton of minutes yesterday when four With centers no were out. What's that? Yeah. He had no fouls yesterday. Yeah, that's kind of amazing. And you yeah. could you could kind of see the ramp up. So I guess my question for you on Jackson, I know you have some numbers on him, is yeah. how many things need to get out of his way for this to work? So here's my thinking. Miles Turner is gone because his skill set of three-point shooting and rim protection, running the floor, he can fit in on every single team in the NBA seamlessly, right? Sabonis, there are maybe three or four teams where he could go in and the offense pretty much has to change to fit him, right? Miles Turner yeah. can fit it anywhere, so he's gone. That's a guarantee. It sounds like he's ahead of schedule with his foot surgery, so sorry, foot stress thing, whatever. So <laughs> Miles Turner's gone. I'm 100% confident he's gone. Sabonis, I'm more 30-70. I think he more likely stays and then gets dialed back because the Pacers haven't had a top 10 pick in what the last 150 years. The time <laughs> I, is I legitimately now, right? don't know. Was Danny Granger a top 10 or was he outside the top 10? I would imagine he's probably like seventh or something like that. If I remember right. I'll try but to yeah, look it up. The Pacers have to hit on a pick this year, right? Because they have nothing. Brockton's out again. The dude, his Achilles is being held together by scotch tape. I feel bad for him. Um, but they have to hit on a good pick this year because they're going to be stuck in mediocrity like they've been the last 15 years. And so basically, Sabonis, if he stays in Indiana past the deadline, they are still going to dial him back. I don't know if necessarily he's going to get shut down completely, but they are going to dial him back. And Goga did not help himself the last couple of weeks when he was playing. He's obviously hurt now with that foot thing, but Goga did not help himself, and he's usually a good per-minute player. I think the Pacers are much higher on Isaiah Jackson had that monster game last night. We're, we're talking about February 1st. So January 31st, his game, what, 20 points, 11 rebounds, two blocks of steel. Actually, was it 26 points? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he was just lobbing. They were throwing lobs. He was looking really good. Hit a three-pointer as well. And by the way, he was hitting three-pointers in the G League too. So he's a really fun player. I could kind of compare him to a rookie year Mitchell Robinson with more offense. That's yeah, my it, it seems like he's uh... – 
and and again, we're we're kind of basing this on just a handful of games, but there was a game where he played only 19 minutes and he was able to put up fantasy numbers. He had a 24 minute game where he put up yeah. a big line. I don't think we need him to get to 30. Um, so my my reticence there, and he and he, I mean, he got added. The numbers on Yahoo are insane. His roster ship yeah. went from three to 31 percent rostered overnight. Yeah, maybe what, what we I'm hope saying. there. I'm so mad the secret's out now before the deadline because this is a guy you could have just stashed that day and be fine. We desperately need Sabonis to get back. Yeah, to get this dude dropped <laughs> because yeah. as yep. of right now, I mean, I don't know. You think Goga and Brissett coming back could knock Jackson down to like 18 minutes, and then maybe it wouldn't quite be enough? Although he had a good game in 18 minutes in Dallas the other night. I don't think it matters if. If you're the Indiana Pacers front office right now, you're saying, who do you want to play down the stretch? I think it's going to be Isaiah Jackson. I think he's their number one priority right now to get minutes. Um, and you know how much I love advanced stats, and the advanced stats just love this kid. So my friend Tim, he plays in a bunch of dynasty leagues with me, sent me this. Um, since 2008, only five freshmen have met the following criteria, and it's free throw rate, block percentage, free throw percentage. And it's Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, my boy, or I should say our boy, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Isaiah Jackson. <laughs> That's right. We yep. did. I forgot that we did that show where I was secretly a massive JJJ fan at the beginning of the yeah. year. I couldn't tell everybody because I didn't want to get sniped. All of my leagues are with listeners now. I don't know how to do this anymore. Yeah. JJJ is 15th in total value at last I looked, too. Yeah, he's been fun. All these, like, so six-block games in a row have been nuts. Yeah. Although I did, and I hope you don't get mad at me, I did trade him for the Time Lord in one league, and... He's also do what you got to do. I love Time Lord. Time Lord sitting in the second round too. Time Lord is one of my favorites. He's been amazing. I, I ended up with a bunch of JJJ and Time Lord at the turn four and five. So, yeah, that's where a lot of the really good picks ended up this year. Yeah, I couldn't believe how many people were taking Isaiah Stewart over Time Lord. Looking back, ugh, ugh. I ended up with Isaiah Stewart on only one of my fourteen teams. I feel very good about. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I had Isaiah Stewart as one of my sleepers, not nearly as high as the other guys, but he he was just the biggest disappointment of the season. I feel like. What happened? I don't know. And now uh, Olinick and Grant game, doesn't look motivated. Yeah, I don't. Man, I would have. I thought for sure, nearly getting into a life-ending fight with LeBron James would have been the yeah. thing. Nope, didn't and you do would it. Cade being there would help him, but it hasn't. Like, just hasn't worked. It's Trey Lyles has been somewhat decent there instead. So yeah. Who I did not see that way? I'm getting off topic. I'm yeah, sorry. it's fine. A, a show without a Trey Lyles mention is like a day without sunshine. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think you're. Unfortunately, yeah, we we needed to do this podcast a day ago. Um, I put in bids for Isaiah Jackson in pretty much any league I'm in where you have to put in a bid, and it was not high enough. Somebody else yeah. got him in every single one of them. Um, Let me end by saying this: the floor for Isaiah Jackson. Assuming Turner is gone, Sabonis stays, and he leapfrogs Goga, I think it's going to be 22 minutes because he's agile enough to play the four. So we could see some overlap between him and Sabonis as well. So if we're talking a floor of 22 minutes, that's Chris Boucher territory of what we saw last year. And and, and they're similar per minute stats yeah. too. So yeah. we could definitely see a kind of a Chris Boucher ending here, which would be a lot of fun. His stat, I was going to say that is probably the best stat set comp in that he's not the right. world's most massive rebounder. He's fine there, but not like a, right. a game changer, but steals blocks, a three here and there, pretty good percentages. Boucher might be a better foul shooter, although I guess we don't really know with Jackson yeah. yet. Not uh, a big sample size yet. Yeah, I don't hate it. I sort of begrudgingly went with Jackson's streams yesterday, not sure what was going to happen. And then when Brousset got ruled out, it was like, all right, well, this is like, they have to. There's no one else there now. The yeah. only fear for me on that one, and then we'll go to the next one, is how much does Rick Carlisle pull the strings on this stuff? Because we know he can be a little curmudgeonly. I know because sure. I, I have but the same emotions in my gut that he has in his. <laughs> okay, but, on that note, real quick. Goga is the hothead, and that coaching staff is not his biggest fan. I'll say that. He clashed with the coaching staff last year, and now he's kind of clashing with the coaching staff this year a little bit too. So I think that kind of helps Jackson Yeah, too, I don't so. think Goga's very good also. Right. So that's the other thing. I saw a lot of like a lot of Goga love on Twitter last week, and, and right. I wanted I, I was very happy to be old man Vespers on that one. Just like, guys, He was Goga's very not, underwhelming. Yeah. Very Goga's underwhelming. not very good. He's a center that for some reason shoots like 41%, even though he's right in front of the rim. 
I can't yeah. figure that one out. Even though I guess I didn't know this, but I was told his shooting splits in the G League have been quite good. So you just right. can't get it going against NBA competition. All right, hit me with the next one. I, I'm not I'm not adamantly opposed to that particular young guy. Okay, so I really, really like this next one. His um, percent rostered has gone up to 9%. So the secret's starting to get out. It's KJ Martin Jr. in Houston. Um, and keep in mind, guys, I'm not doing the obvious ones. Like everyone knows Alperin Sangoon is probably going to crush down the stretch, most likely. But KJ Martin's a guy that not really anyone's talking about yet. And last four games, Dan, he's an eighth rounder in 24 minutes. That's at 13 points, five rebounds, two assists, 1.3 steals, 0.5 blocks, which is below where he should be, right? Yeah. He's usually a one block per, per game guy. And 0.3 triples too, that also goes up. And if we remember back last year, no one remembers Kenny Martin Jr. because Kelly Lennox was an all NBA <laughs> Hall of Fame player down the stretch. So yeah, that was, that was the, overshadowed him a little the bit. Greatest five but, weeks of my life. Yes. Last 10 games for him, though, he was a fifth rounder with 17 points, eight rebounds, 2.6 steals, 0.8, sorry, 2.6 dimes, one steal, one block, and 2.1 triples on pristine percentages, too. So, Rockets, a lot of things could break right from at the deadline. We have Christian Wood on the block, Eric Gordon on the block. They're going to dial back their veterans. So all in on Sangoon and KJ Martin down the stretch. I think they're going to be really, really strong fantasy assets. But you don't have to pick up Martin just yet. So what needs to happen for Martin to step into that bigger role? I've I've gone I've gotten to a place with the Rockets where I kind of just wave my hand at them in disgust. Like, ah, what you know, and move on to the next one. What what needs to clear out of the way? Would an Eric Gordon trade be enough? Does somebody else need to move? Is it just going to be a uh, just a just one rotation player is all it takes? Because according to Basketball Reference, he's played at three different positions for Houston, and not just like limited minutes. We're talking big chunks at each spot. So he's a very capable player. Positions three through five, even in some lineups. So literally one <laughs> trade kind of frees him to hit that thirty minute mark and. Mm. That should be all he needs. Yeah, he has a great stat set. That one, yeah. uh, again, not going to argue with you there. I think we probably just... I guess the question is, if Eric Gordon is the domino, and you got to think he's on the move. He feels like yes. one of the surest bets to be traded at the deadline. Is that one enough for you to grab KJ Martin if you have limited roster space? I think it is. Granted, if someone like Isaiah Jackson's not available and there's one more name I'm also going to mention next who I'm really excited about Ooh. too. But yeah, I would say he's right on the cusp for me just because there's so many injuries on everyone's roster. If you have four or five guys injured, you're not, you don't have the luxury of stashing this guy now. Right. Right. Maybe yeah. an hour before the deadline hits if we hit, if we get some news, but yeah. Like I was, I basically looked at the Warriors Rockets box score last night as I was going through the, my, the recap at, uh, before bed yesterday. And I was like, okay, um, Christian Wood and like fart sound effect was was kind of the feeling that I got. Like, okay, so Jay Sean Tate was not good again. And then at Gordon was not good again. And Jalen Green was not good. But Kevin Porter came back. He's actually been a little bit better lately. I dump on him a lot, but he's been, he hasn't shot many free throws lately. And that's probably the the real key for him. (laughs) Just please don't, good God, Kevin, don't get fouled. Uh, and then Kenny Martin only got 19 minutes, but had nine and five with a steal and a block. Like he had one of the better fantasy lines on that team in the fewest minutes besides Sengun, besides uh, Josh Christopher, who I, you know, I couldn't pick out of a, a player roster at this point. That's yeah. where I'm at with the Rockets. But if you take Gordon out, who played 35 minutes, I just realized yeah. that in yesterday's game, feels silly if you're trying to trade the dude. Garrison Matthews, we you know he takes, he gets a good chunk of those. I don't know how many more you could give to the regulars. So, yeah, I mean, I could see where maybe six, seven of those go to K.J. Martin, and that should be enough for him. Yeah, on the same note, he's not on the list, but Garrison Matthews could give you like a Duncan Robinson stat set down the stretch if Eric Gordon's moved as well. So, another sneaky name. Yeah, Garrison Matthews was really good when uh, Porter was out and that usage was back in the team bucket. That was nice. Everybody, that was the thing that got like four guys up over the cut line. Just yeah. dumping that usage back into the into the pool. Do you think what are I the mean, odds they you think him Gary Bird? So yeah, he's pretty good. <laughs> Do you um what are the odds you think Wood gets moved? Because I've actually I've seen Twitter sort of fighting on that one, whether or not it's a movable contract. Could he would they even move him, I guess? I think so. And 
it's kind of interesting too because we've seen all these port reports. I think KOC's probably uh, followed this the best, but Christian Wood joined the Rockets almost strictly to play with James Harden, and <laughs> since Harden left, <laughs> Wood hates his life. He does not like losing. He's he's seen enough losing in his lifetime, so I think Wood's quietly asking out. And I think that's kind of the reason why we haven't seen a bunch of Sangoon because Sangoon in limited minutes has been incredible. Like he's making some passes that are like, dare I say, Jokic-esque, but he's really exciting. So I think they want to free up some space for him. I don't think they've made the move yet because they want to showcase Wood. But if you look at Wood's contract, he has his flaws, right? He has some off-court concerns, some maturity concerns here and there. Uh, We've seen it a couple of times. He's been suspended as well. But Wood, relative to his contract, is a very productive player. And we've already seen him linked to Miami, among others. So I think there's a 50-50 shot he's moved as well. Hmm. All right, who's your last one? You kept kept one bottled up here for the end. I've actually got two, but the the, the last one's a quick one because I know he's a a sports ethos favorite over there. So I'll hit hit this guy first. And I don't necessarily think a trade is what he needs. It's Willie Hernan Gomez. Hmm. How are you liking this guy, Dan? I want to hear your thoughts first. Well, I have a I have mixed feelings on old Willie because he tends to be pretty localized on points, boards, and field goal percent. But yeah. I don't know. It, it did kind of also feel like he needed Valanchunas out of the way. You don't think so? Here's the thing. There's a chance Valanchunas is traded. Don't get me wrong. I think it's probably 2080, right? I think they kind of like Valanchunas. He has a great contract, obviously, you love him. I love him. I think Valanciunas is a very good player. Has probably another year or two left in his prime. But down the stretch, we're assuming Zion's not coming back. Brandon Ingram's a shutdown candidate in my mind. If that happens, I think they also dial back Jonas Valanciunas and they get a top pick because Zion's not exactly happy there. I think they could change his mind if they can convince him to stay with like a top four pick to add to that core that they... I'm, for some reason, they got rid of Lonzo, which never made sense to me for Devontae Graham and Sadoransky. But that's a whole another tangent for another day. But Zion isn't happy. They need a top pick to keep convince him to stay long term. I think they dialed back all their players like Graham. We've already seen Hart rest. We've seen Valanciunas rest. And Willie Green was asked one of his, who, was, who one of his favorite players was. And he kept raving about Willie Hernan Gomez. <laughs> what is he seeing that nobody else saw? Well, that's interesting, too, because... Last year, you would say, yeah, Jackson Hayes is the franchise center down the road, right? Not anymore. Like, he's had an off-court incident. He's had maturity concerns on the court. He has not played well. And it's been Willie Green just hyping Willie Hernan Gomez after every game. And last four games for him were insane. And I'm, gonna, I'm even going to include a game with Valanciunas back. He's at 17 points, 10.3 rebounds, and two assists, and a block even, which is, is a surprise for him. In four games, 27 minutes. Yeah, I can't. He could be very sneaky down the stretch. It's a weird, that's a weird one. Um, he, he can do it pretty quick. He got 10 boards in only 16 and a half minutes yesterday. Jackson Hayes actually got the start in that game against the big Cavs front court. Yeah. Pels are weird. The Pels are yeah. weird. I don't know what, I don't know what they're going to do. Could they, are they really convincing themselves that they still have a shot to compete? In the West, because no. they're they, they're only they two and a half games back. There are the resting players. If you're four teams back from a play-in spot and you're resting players, that tells me you you've waved a white flag, right? It's over. I don't know. I think they're going to delude themselves into fighting a bit longer. That would I, be hilarious. I will say that because <laughs> I feel like they. This is like a build-up season. Zion was supposed to they be walking into the and, locker room. They see like championship aspirations on the the whiteboard. I don't know <laughs> at eighteen and thirty-two. Yeah. What do you think about Jackson Hayes? Do you think there's any chance he slides into any of that? I know that because he is still only, what is he, 21? Yeah. I mean, if we're talking strictly player evaluation, I don't doubt that he's going to get his chances, right? But I think right now, I think Willie has the favor of the coaching staff. Man, that's crazy. And I think he's going to get the first shot at getting an extended role. And obviously, Willie has his flaws, right, as like a real-life player. Uh, and fantasy has his flaws as well, too. Not the greatest uh, blocks and steals guy, but... Man, those last four games were exciting. And remember back in Charlotte, he actually had those monster games here and there too. So he's done this before. So he's moderately interesting for me, but not as interesting as my last and final guy, if you're ready for it. I am ready for it. Maybe not. Am I? He's he's one of your favorites. I've seen you hype him up at times. I've seen Brewski hype him up a lot as well. It's Isaiah Hardenstein for the Clippers. 
I do like Hartenstein. Why won't they play that dude? Why did Serge Ibaka get seven more minutes than Hartenstein? I'll tell you why. Ibaka has an expiring contract. They're trying to show other teams that Ibaka is able to run up the floor two or three times before completely collapsing and <laughs> puffing and puffing. It's sad to watch, honestly. Ibaka just looks completely washed. It's, it's hard to watch, honestly. Hartenstein, yeah. so do you think do you think Ibaka gets moved? Do you think he gets turned off? 100%. How do they? Oh, okay. 100% Ibaka is moved. If he's not moved, they may waive him. It's it's that bad. It's hard to watch. And one more thing, too. Keep in mind, Zubak has been solid this season, but he only averages 24 minutes. If you give the other 24 to Hardenstein, we have a top 75 player, Dan. Yeah. His, his stat set is amazing. And I know right. you, I've seen you tweet about it. I've seen Brew tweet about it. Uh, he's... He's heavily owned in the leagues I'm in because right. people that follow you and me and Brew. But yeah. overall, he's only 6% rostered. Yeah. Um, Here's this... the crazy thing. He's nearly a top 150 player in 16 minutes per game. Yeah, and that's a guy that then you could make him, you kind of call him like an active stash at that point. Yeah. You could use him. Absolutely. And keep this in mind too. We don't know for sure that Paul George and Kawhi are coming back. I'm hoping they do because they don't have a first-round pick and they kind of want to squeeze every little bit of this window they have with Kawhi and Paul George. Yeah, said, but, said the guy who has a bunch of Paul Georges on his fantasy yeah, team. exactly. Yeah. But the Clippers are expected to be one of the most active teams at the deadline. This has been reported by several different reporters. KOC is one of them. But Marcus Morris could be on the move. That would help Hardenstein as well because Marcus yeah. Morris has played some small ball five for the last couple of years. All right, yeah, he absolutely has. So yep. let me ask you this, wrapping up all of the names on the board here. Of these guys, Isaiah Jackson is is certainly somebody you'd move on quickly. Are any of the other guys someone that you'd pick up now, nine days before the deadline, or are they all, like, run up to? I think Hardenstein maybe you could grab early. Yeah, I'd say Hardenstein is probably number two behind Isaiah Jackson right now. In I would probably of, put... Oh, okay. I would probably put uh, KJ Martin number three because he's already getting 20 minutes now, right? Willie is probably fourth. Yeah, yeah, I would say Willie's probably fourth. Okay. And then Thaddeus is fifth because I think, unless you're me or you or one of our listeners, he's kind of like off the radar now, right? We haven't seen him in two months. <laughs> no, he, played, he even only played a dozen minutes in the game where the Spurs were yeah. resting guys on Sunday. Although I think he had, he had like 10 or 12 points in those 12 minutes. He was right. ready, man. That had the engines. They were well-oiled. He was ready to go. <laughs> yeah, and don't give up hope, though, if he's not moved because he's just he screams a buyout candidate as well, too. So don't take him off your watch list just because he's not moved. There really are a lot of teams that could use Thad. It's kind of sad that he's still just sitting there doing nothing. Yeah, he's not. My poor Thad He's not Dan Bespris old yet either, right? He's <laughs> not like the 37, 38-year-olds that you normally like, but he's... He still has some value, I think. I want to, by the way, I want to go on record as noting that in draft season this year, I did say Kyle Lowry is too old even for the Dan Bespris old man squad. <laughs> that was the that was the threshold. Like, guy who hasn't made it through a season in four years gets traded to where he's now like a third or fourth option. That was right. officially too old. So oh, there, was, there was a guy, and it was Kyle Lowry this year. Sorry, Kyle. I like Kyle Lowry, but he was... Just yeah, I hope he comes back soon. We have no idea what's going on with him. There's a lot of weirdness. So we're we're in a strange time, Jonas. We're we're gonna get through sure. it though. Um, yep. Thad, Isaiah Jackson, Isaiah Hartenstein, KJ Martin, Willie Hernan Gomez. Did I miss anybody? Nope. No, um, I tried to. I'm just gonna down. toss out a name that we might see down the stretch. Okay, I'm not even gonna give you the, any kind of crazy analysis because if we're gonna see one G League player emerge this year, it's gonna be Nate Hinton. For no the idea. Pacers, okay? No idea who you're talking about. He's a guard who almost leads the G League in rebounds. So amazing steal rate, amazing block rate, can do it all. He actually followed Rick Carlisle from Dallas and plays in Indiana now. Keep an eye on him because the Pacers and the Pelicans, in my mind, are the two teams most likely to just torpedo the roster at the deadline. God, I hope you call another G League surge. I hope so. <laughs> the, I loved that Moses Brown comes in. Didn't he have a 2020 game or was really close to that? He had a 2020 game, and now he's an all-NBA talent getting 36 minutes every night. So 100% spot-on analysis. Moses Brown is the best player in the in the league right now. There you go. We got him last year. We sold high on him. 
Then we can <laughs> recycle it. Do it on Now we're putting him in the Hall of Fame. Yep. That's right. He was in the Hall of Fame for sell highs. That's for damn yeah. sure. We cashed in on that one quick. That was amazing. That was like buying a stock the day that it goes up five points. And you're just like, okay, yeah, that was good. I enjoyed that. <laughs> Let's do the next thing now. Uh, I forgot to give your Twitter handle at the beginning. I was too excited to talk to you. This is, of course, the great Jonas Nader at Jonas Nader on Twitter. J-O-N-A-S-N-A-D-E-R of NBC Sports Edge. Slash, yep. you might remember it as Roto World. I got to throw it in there just so people know. Hey, can I mention, I think we're bringing the name Roto World back, though. It's kind of official, officially official. Wait, whoa, whoa, NBC whoa, Sports what? Really? Yeah, yeah so we're, we're still NBC Sports Edge, but we're also called Roto World. It's a... It's in motion. They tweeted it like a month ago, and it's still like the details are still being worked out. But they're trying to reincorporate the Roto World name. Yay! Really cool. Can I can I celebrate that on air? That's not offensive, right? Of course. Of okay. Course. Yeah. I missed the RW. It was so much easier. It was such a such a uh, a legendary name. It's the thing we all used yeah. for so long, and then when it went away, it was like, wait, you're what now? Uh, and and I, I really like you guys' new name, Sports Ethos, because I know you're like branching off into other sports too, and it's just like all encompassing. So I, I like that idea. Thank you. Yeah, we had. I mean, it would have been tough to have like a football division right. while being called Hoop Ball. Right. Although I, we, <laughs> Brew and I, there's fun for listeners behind the scenes. We were like trying to figure out what things you could put instead of hoop with ball <laughs> to to have other sites with it, uh, like pigskin ball or pig ball or like right yeah it was funnier for baseball than football there's a lot oh, of I'd imagine yeah. very mitt ball was a good one for baseball yeah, you guys got a lot of good talent there i'm excited for you guys well we i am so damn happy to get to talk to you man the great jonas yeah, nader thank you for coming on dude thank now you. we gotta get that we gotta get bogman on the show eventually and seriously in here damn it bogman come back yep. to us baby come back i tried to <laughs> All right. Well, I know. Off topic again. Jonas, thank you, my man. Um, can't wait to see what shakes out at the deadline. Always a pleasure. And I'll make sure to come back a lot sooner than I did this time for sure. Hugs and kisses, my man. Absolutely. My Jonas always brings the goods. Always brings the goods at Jonas Nader on Twitter. One of my good buddies in this fantasy industry. Uh, very happy to be able to say that. Quickly, on Monday's card, Memphis at Philly. Monday was a weird one. Monday was not my favorite. Brandon Clark only played 13 minutes. Steven Adams, I would have said it was Joel Embiid related, but it was Andre Drummond related. Overtime game. Steven Adams played 38 minutes. We saw Clark got 20 in the last one, so I'm not going to worry yet. Uh, It is worth noting that DeAnthony Melton only got 15 with Tyus Jones back in the mix. I am a little worried about that. Not so worried about Clark. Am a bit worried about Melton, but again, we're this close to the trade deadline, so hang on for dear life. Joel Embiid will be back in the next ball game, and that's the story on the Memphis side. Don't 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 hit the full panic button after one ball game, but you can start to consider it a little bit. It's a good win for Philly without Embiid. Cleveland beat New Orleans ninety three and ninety. Not what you'd call an exciting basketball game, but it was a good one. Jackson Hayes got the start at power forward against the big Cavaliers lineup, and he was excellent. I really wish we would see more Jackson Hayes. I don't think we will, but we, but I wish we would. Jonas Valanciunas came back. Uh, Brandon Ingram is questionable tonight. Josh Hart is out. They'll rest him on the back-to-back with his knee contusion. So maybe Ingram plays... I don't know. If Ingram plays at small forward or power forward, Herb Jones kind of has to be the other one. So this was probably more of a one-time thing with Hayes. It's Unfortunately, he has a really good fantasy game. He's just never getting any playing time. So I wouldn't buy into it unless we saw it a couple of times in a row. Same general story on the Cleveland side. They went heavy on a bench lineup in this game. Lamar Stevens had five defensive stats, five for six shooting, not sustainable. Brandon Goodwin, eight of 11 shooting, not sustainable. The one I've been hoping for... Would have been J.D. Osman or Isaac Okoro, and Osman filling in at point guard for Darius Garland. So, yes, he had the high assist numbers. I don't think Garland misses another ball game. If he does, now you know. Clippers are also super annoying these days. Totally different rotations in this game than they had in the last one. No Ivica Zubats. So, Serge Ibaka started and double-doubled in 23 minutes. Isaiah Hartenstein only got 14 minutes backing it up. Luke Kennard only played 16 minutes. I don't know what's going on out here. Nick Batum is dealing with his back spasms, but he did get 25 minutes. 
he's probably now your safest play. Amir Coffey, I could put him up there as more the safer play. He's going to score a lot, and when he's hot, you can get a good line like this one, but you saw when he's not, it disappears quickly. As soon as I give the okay on one of these guys, they're gonna, it's going to blow up in our face. Right now, the only guy that you can reliably say will get some fantasy value if he's healthy enough to play is Nick Batum. That said, he might play nine minutes and leave with back spasms. So I don't know that I would start anyone on the Clippers right now. I thought Luke Kennard was turning the corner, and then this game happened. Yikes. Marcus Morris has shown himself to not really be fantasy-friendly, in a, particularly on a team that's willing to kind of go anywhere. I'm kind of okay moving on from basically every Clipper at this point. You don't have to, but I wouldn't fault you if you did. This portion of the show is brought to you by our friends at ThriveFantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app. Prop up, people, with prop bets at Thrive Fantasy. No longer, no longer must you toil at the deepest corners of the darkest dumpsters in DFS gaming. No longer must you try to figure out if Saban Lee is going to play six minutes in a ball game and take four shots. No longer, no longer must you try to figure out if Jeremiah Robinson Earl is going to log more than 19 minutes in a basketball game. No longer must you determine if Matt Thomas is worth playing on the Chicago Bulls. Because at Thrive Fantasy, you only need to focus on the names, the big names, the superstars, the folks you care about. 20 prop bets to choose from. You pick 10 overs and unders. If you get the most points from your selections, you win money in the Thrive Fantasy Tournament du jour. 100% deposit match bonus and multiple free game vouchers with just a $10 deposit using promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S. Head on over there, throw 10 bucks in the account, you get another 10 on the deposit match, and two $20 contest entry vouchers, $60 of play for $10 of deposit at thrivefantasy.com with promo code ETHOS. Check them out now. They're a fantastic partner. You guys are going to have a lot of fun. I really, I promise you're going to enjoy yourself. It's fun. In my estimation, it's better than traditional DFS. I know that plenty of folks out there love regular DFS. I'm just not one of them. So something different, something special. This is right up my alley. Thrive Fantasy, they've got the app, Apple, uh, Apple Store, Android Store, wherever you got to go, or the computer, thrivefantasy.com. That's where my old people like me go to play it. Check it out now go to play it. Check it out now. Demata Sabonis back into protocols yesterday, so that elevated Isaiah Jackson to the starting center spot because Sabonis, Turner, and Goga Batadze and O'Shea Brissett were all out. So basically, four centers down, and Jackson got a double-double. And if that's the case in the next ball game, you run him out there again. In fact, I think even if Brissett plays, Jackson probably still gets 22-23 minutes, and that's likely enough if Goga and Brissett are back, I don't know that Jackson still gets enough. Justin Holiday moved back into a nice position in this ballgame, uh, and he should be generally okay when the Sabonis usage is back out on the table, because he's not going to get much, but he'll get just a little bit more when all of the usage guys are out except Karis LeVert. Chris Duarte probably should have been better I think you can likely start him when Sabonis is out too. And, and, and again, it's that usage thing. So right now, with everybody out, Jackson, Holiday, Duarte, those guys are all streamable. When Sabonis comes back, I think you probably take maybe all of them off the table. It's possible Duarte can hang on at that point. Possible. I don't know if I'd go probable, but possible. Well, the Kings' meltdown of life <laughs> continues, bludgeoned by a, a slumping Knicks team. I mean, this is that's a bad loss. They're all bad losses. Harrison Barnes missed a bunch of free throws, or this could have been an okay ball game. He's startable. Uh, Rashawn Holmes is normally startable. He got eaten alive by the Knicks' defense. Really, just the Kings' offense is... Yeah, it's, it's pretty gross these days. As long as Darren Fox is out, you can probably stream Davian Mitchell as kind of a, a low-end stream. 
Tyrese Halliburton, we know he's going to be really good anytime Fox is out. I would expect more from Buddy Heald, but this is kind of what he's been, which is just barely startable. Lots of decent fantasy lines on the Knicks side in this game, but it didn't really change my opinion of anyone. Kemba Walker remains way too big of a headache to deal with, and he had a bad game here to boot. Mitchell Robinson has been playing better, but his free throws by volume have gone way up. So his good stuff is no longer outweighing the bad. Nerlens Noel at 21 minutes is the guy I'm looking at on this team. I hope he can stay healthy for any for longer than two games in a row. Simple fact is five boards, five assists, two steals and a block, and nothing else is good enough for a fantasy line. And then you got Quentin Grimes, Alec Burks, Evan Fournier, and Obi Toppin having good scoring games. Go, I mean, you can figure out which put a bunch of those balls in your hand and roll them out onto the table and see which ones come up the right way. Good luck. Nah, whatever. On to the next one. Uh, Jimmy Butler sat this one out. No surprise there. Dude played 150 minutes in Miami's game on Saturday. I was very surprised we didn't see more Raptors sit out uh, any of these Monday games. In fact, they went giant minutes again. I think Jimmy will be fine this time around. I'm a little bit less worried. But whatever he's got going on, that was the type of game on Saturday that could re-aggravate it. So hopefully it's not a big deal. This is part of a back-to-back I would expect him to play in the next one, because it's tonight, isn't it? Uh, but I don't know. I guess we'll see. Probably some Raptors sit out there back-to-back. I wouldn't read too much into this ball game, is what I'm saying, because I think Jimmy Butler's back, and then that shifts everybody around. Okay? Okay. Boston's coming on. Um, I know they're 6-4 and four in their last 10, but their defense has been really good. Tatum is starting to get a little bit more consistent on offense, which is a weird, that's not even the right word for it, maybe an unfair assessment of Jason, but again, and and this happened to him a couple seasons back where he got off to that brutally slow shooting start to the year, and it's not totally gone. This is like one of the very rare games where Tatum was just sort of fine. Lately, it's kind of been absolutely monstrous, ridiculous Mondo game or, like, horrible shooting game. If you look at some of his recent games uh, against the Pels, he had 38, 8, and 7 and shot 65%. Game before that, he shot sub-30%. Had 20 points, 6 boards, 4... He had some blocks in that one, but that was a tough one in Atlanta. Two games before that, uh, the win over Sacramento, he shot 61%. The win over Washington, he shot 64%. That was his 51-point game. He's been all over the map, but durability's been nice. That's been a a really nice thing for Tatum. He's played in 48 games this year. I believe he leads the NBA in points because he's been able to rack up so many ball games under his belt. I think he passed Joel Embiid, who's outscoring him on a per-game basis, but Tatum's got him uh, by 10 games. Steph Curry, did Tatum pass Steph? I think he passed Steph because he has one more game this year than Curry does, so... You know, if you need points, Tatum's actually turned out to be the most important guy in fantasy for that. All that to say, Boston's coming around a little bit. Pieces are starting to click a little better. Horford even had a decent ball game for once. Time Lord slowed down in a weird twist. He'll be fine. It's a narrow buy-low window. Buy, buy, buy. Buy if you can. Robert Williams literally... Okay, I'm not going to give up anything for the Time Lord, but I would almost give up anything the time lord he missed a handful of games he always has the knee thing that acts up from time to time but like here's the thing he's number 25 on the season after a slow start we've talked about this he's a first rounder for almost two months now about a month and a half he's been a first rounder despite yesterday's slow game number eight over the last month despite yesterday's slow game he's been a beast go get him i would pretty much trade uh, anything after, like, 25, almost. That's how impressive he's been. Now, if you could do it for, like, a 35 or 40 range guy, hell yeah, you do it. I just don't know that you can. It might probably won't, doesn't come that cheap. Toronto, winners in Atlanta. I, this, was, this one blew me away. Raptors should have been completely exhausted, and they hit a bunch of three-pointers, mostly Gary Trent. Nine three-pointers for Trent. He played 41 minutes. Siakam, 41 minutes again. 
Freddie Van Vliet, 39. I don't know how his knee's going to handle this one. They went all starters again, although Boucher did get 21 minutes. Typically, if he gets 21 minutes, he'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Keep trotting him out there. On the Atlanta side, arguably the more interesting fantasy notes from this, this card, Anyako Kongwu, 9-9 and with a block in 23 minutes in a non-blowout. That's notable. I don't think... Capella's about to lose his starting job. I don't think that it's really a, a like a seismic shift, but Kong has been playing really well lately, and it does seem like this is moving more towards like a 27-21 type of minute split instead of 30 and 18, which probably puts a Kongwu in the ad department. Kevin Herter, don't care. I know he had a big game, don't care. Bogdan Bogdanovich is the wing you want in Atlanta. I expect Trey Young back for the next ball game as well. Uh, Delon Wright, love him as a fill-in, but it ain't going to stick. And the Warriors beat the Rockets. No surprise there. Oh, I guess there were two more ball games, huh? Steph, big game. Wiggins, big game. Thompson slowed down a little bit, but, you know, whatever. And then Otto Porter will play tonight when Thompson rests. So fire up your autos. Love me some Otto Porter streams these days. Just talked to Jonas about the Rockets. Really nothing going on there uh, unless somebody gets shifted around at the deadline. And then Portland, this is a really bad loss for the Blazers against an OKC team without Gilgis Alexander, Lou Dort, Josh Giddy. Those are your guys. I know Baisley shot the ball well again. I get all these Baisley questions when he has two games in a row where he shoots 70%. It'll go away. It always does. Just Dort, just Giddy. And for Portland, Simons cooled off. And that's probably why they lost. McCollum was fine. Powell was fine. Nurk was okay. Not great. He was okay. Rob Covington was in foul trouble, but he had his six defensive stats anyway. That's delightful. No valuation changes there. And that's your Monday recap. But today's show was really about Jonas, the stash master. A visit from the stash master himself. Uh, Coming up later this week, very excited. We'll be talking to my good friend, Josh Millman. He's got trade deadline thoughts. He is the rant master. If if Jonas is the stash master, then Josh Millman is the rant master. I don't have more fun on shows than I do with Josh very often. That's for damn sure. That's going to be a fun. Uh, and we'll see. It's going to be schedule dependent, mostly my schedule, because uh, I'm a finicky little prick. Um, we'll get Adam King here on either later this week or next week. So Adam, Josh coming up in the wings. Trade deadline show, February the 10th. Please go to sportsethos.com slash Nope, that's not right. YouTube.com slash Sports Ethos. Almost flipped it on you. And go like and subscribe and set an alarm for our trade deadline show, 8 a.m. Pacific time, Thursday, February the 10th. One more big thank you to Jonas Nader at Jonas Nader on Twitter. I am at Dan Vespers. This is a Sports Ethos presentation of Fantasy NBA Today. Ethos Fantasy BK. Go follow the best feed on planet Earth on Twitter as well. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. So long.